0: Welcome to the MHW Mark podcast where we take deep dives into various aspects of the alcohol industry. My name is Jimmy Moreland. MHW is a U.S. and EU beverage alcohol importer, distributor, and service provider. I am joined by my frequent co-host and friend, MHW's Cassidy Poe. How have you been, Cassidy?
1: I'm great. I'm happy to be back.
0: It's good to have you back. We've been running right into the new year here. So looking ahead at at this episode and the next episode as a little preview, this episode, we're going to have a great conversation um, with a founder, sort of continuing the DEI, sort of the inclusivity thread from last episode. And the next episode, we're going to be all Ireland. Cassidy's going to take a well-deserved break from the podcast, and we're going to bring back Ian, the original co-host. Ian's going to be back for one episode at least, and we're going to be talking All Irish for that episode. Um, All right, switching gears here a little bit. We're a couple weeks late on this this discussion here, but do you do Spotify? Are you a Spotify person?
1: I am a Spotify person.
0: At the risk of annoying 98% of people, but really nailing 2% of people who care, Let's talk Spotify Wrapped. What was your Wrapped? Just just give us a one or two highlights of your Spotify Wrapped.
1: So my top artist was uh, Taylor Swift, which... Oh, my God. I know. I know. It's it's controversial for some people.
2: Um, for
0: the listeners, I'm laughing like that, not just because of that answer, but because prior to recording, there was there was Taylor Swift discussion, and, and that that's why. So it's not because I'm just some jerk who assumed that Cassidy liked Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> but please, go on about Taylor Swift.
1: No, I, I've i been a fan since I was a kid, so I kind of just, like, nostalgically listen to a lot of her music. I'm not some crazy super fan. Actually, she usually gets beat by uh, Ariana Grande as my top artist, but she hasn't come out with new music until actually last week, I believe.
0: Is that a heavy, heavy rotation now?
1: Yeah, we'll have to mix her back in with Taylor Swift, but... That was my Spotify wrapped summary.
0: (laughs) It's, it's so interesting that the new things that they try to add, they do a thing now where they, they try to place you geographically with like, like where most listeners who are just like you, where do they live? Where where did it place you geographically?
1: Oh gosh, I don't remember. It was in New York. (laughs) I can tell you that much.
0: How boring would it be if it just puts you right where you are, you know?
1: I know. Um. I think one of the things that I like that it does is the top podcast and, and of course the MHW Mark podcast was my top listened podcast. All
0: this time listening to yourself. Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we ended up on people's Spotify raps. That'd be pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Maybe. We, yeah. And, and you and I get like a, a special page that's like the narcissism index. Like you spent X minutes listening to yourself. Um, <laughs> That's great. The uh, the geography, it put me somewhere in the middle of like Wyoming or somewhere because mm. I, I listen to a lot of like, you know, prairie, Ozark music. It's lots of silence in the music and then usually some lonesome growly voice singing about life on the prairie. Coulter Wall, for anyone who really is into that kind of music, <laughs> Coulter Wall was my number one. Uh, his new album is fantastic, and you should check it out if you 're into hmm. uh, weird, sad uh lonesome songs about the prairie <laughs> <laughs> all right we 're going to stop the music chat everyone can can calm down, especially our our like our Apple music and our Amazon music friends. Uh, we're very sorry that you don't get a wrapped, but that's what us cool kids get. Um, let's get to work. Let's, let's talk about, we, uh, we've got a great episode. Continuing the theme of inclusivity from our last episode, we are very excited to welcome today's guest. He is the founder of Gay Water, a canned vodka soda company aiming to destigmatize the word gay as one of the few openly queer-owned alcohol brands. Welcome, Spencer Hoddison. Thank you. Excited
2: to be here and chat with you both.
0: Good to have you here, Spencer. Can you share a little bit about Gay Water, sort of the story behind the brand and and how you got started in the industry?
2: Sure. Um, So first of all, the term Gay Water uh, actually has been a long time colloquialism within the queer community. So for, you know, dating back to the days of like the Stonewall Riots, which started the gay rights movement uh, in this country, you know, folks would walk into spaces and, and order a gay water. The bartender knew that exactly that they were talking about uh a vodka soda. So the, the name itself has had some cachet within the community for a, a really long time. Um, I would say at this point, it's a little hit or miss where if you talk to someone, they they might immediately know what you're talking about. Um, and if you talk to someone else, they might have no idea but probably guess that it is a vodka soda. Um, so the term itself has had a, like a fun little history. Um, but in terms of myself and, and my story, um, the, the idea of Gay Water came up uh, up around two years ago, um, I had been having some conversations with uh, friends who worked in the beverage space. And um, I myself had always toyed with the idea of doing something, you know, a little bit more entrepreneurial. My background had been in in media and tech. Uh, I had worked in brand marketing. I was leading the the brand marketing team right before I started uh, Gay Water at Yahoo. And the conversations I was having was really about similar to the conversations you had had in, in the past couple of uh, these podcasts around diversity in the beverage space and how there is so few, uh, not only like minority owned brands, but particularly queer owned brands. Um, the beverage space has long been, you know, pretty, pretty like uh, male middle-aged dominated industry for a really long time dating back to, you know, the days of like prohibition in this country. And, uh, I had been having these conversations around you know a lack of representation in the beverage space and how there's so few queer brands there's few queer people that actually work in the space, and the ones that do typically work you know in in marketing or or partnerships There's no one in the space that really works in like uh leadership roles like creating brands that really support and create representation for the community so that was kind of the the first. I would say seed for, for this idea. And I was actually on a trip with a girlfriend who works in the beverage space. And, you know, we had, we'd been having a lot of these conversations and one night at dinner um, it was just two of us. I ordered uh vodka soda and I turned to her, I was like, have you ever heard of the term gay water? And she was like, yeah, like I, she's like, I don't know if it's the fact that I went to NYU and had a lot of, you know, gay friends, but <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. And that was, that was kind of the moment where I was like, you know what i'm gonna I'm gonna follow this little rabbit hole I forget what what does Alice take the blue or the red pill I took whichever pill like <laughs> forced you know put me straight down the rabbit hole and um from there started having you know a ton of conversations um doing research focus groups making sure that you know there a product like this one could exist in the space and two that there was um you know, demand for for something like this. I really wanted to make sure that, like, a mission-driven company that, you know, exists to create representation for this community in this space could have a place in this space.
0: Is it important that representation means more than just influencers hawking a brand?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, for us... Within the queer community, there's a really big emphasis on representation, whether it's in media, television, film, entertainment. But what about physical spaces? And that's that's really what going into this, our our mission is, is to really create like physical representation in spaces, traditional spaces that haven't had that. So, you know, grocery stores, liquor stores, bars, restaurants, concert venues, these spaces where like queer people both... Frequent as consumers, but also are working at right. Like the, I'm sure you've gone to a grocery store and had a queer person checking you out at the counter. But there are no products in those spaces right now that represent the community year round. Um, there's very much products that pop up for Pride Month that have rainbows and unicorns on them and are very inauthentically, you know, capitalizing on the fact that. Pride is a celebration, that, you know, there's there's a lot of drinking or, or consuming happening during that month to celebrate. But queer people exist outside of the month of June in this country. They're spending 55% more on, at liquor stores, drinking at a two to four times rate, you know, the heterosexual community. Uh, it's a it's a growing population. So there very much is an opportunity for a product like this to represent the community year-round. Can
0: you tell us to sort of step back, how long did it take from sort of these conversations that you were having with friends? How long did it take from there to creation, to launch, to where you're actually starting to see this product on shelves?
2: So we incorporated the company February 22nd, 2022, and we launched July 20th, 2023. So a little under a year and a half from ideation and conception of the idea to uh, to actually having a physical product in market
0: that seems fast casty can you comment or can spencer can you like is that fast am i crazy
2: it's i mean it's, i think that's pretty fast it's definitely pretty quick but we knew exactly what we wanted to create we knew the community that we are want want to build and had a really strong You know, affinity for what the brand would be. But that being said, yeah, I mean, Cassie, you would you would probably have more context um, on on like the historics of how long it usually it typically takes for for brands to kind of build in this space.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely an impressive timing that you did there. I know that figuring out the packaging is probably a big part of that, and I personally love your packaging. So I don't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about how you. Came about the idea for the design and all of that?
2: Yeah. um, So I worked with a product designer that I had worked with in a previous job. He's incredible he is you know part of the community he is a japanese hawaiian guy who just is a bubble of energy and has the most incredibly creative ideas so he designed the cans he designed the packaging he was like our founding designer who had who had worked on a lot of some of the early marketing materials but in terms of like creativity for the, for the brand itself i mean we drew a lot of inspiration From really fun and colorful things. So a lot of the references when we were really early on designing the brand were like 90s Nickelodeon, pop art, vintage candy. I love like, you know, Razzles and uh, but really the idea of building sort of an irreverent brand that has a bit of nostalgia but also is future forward that leans into being bright and colorful without it being just pride flags and unicorns. Um, because I do think that within sort of like the the queer movement, we are getting to this place where, you know, a company just hangs a pride flag and all of the sudden, like, that, like that's their way of saying like, we represent the community. And typically it happens for one month and then, the rainbow kind of disappears for the rest of the year. Whereas we wanted to create a brand that is representative year round. So we leaned into bright and colorful without almost tokenizing the the, the brand to just being, I think, even with the beverage space, for for folks who aren't as familiar with the community, they think of like a rainbow flag as only the month of June, and we we didn't want to fall into that trap. But the packaging itself, we similar vein, we really wanted to go bright and colorful and stand out on shelves and really be a conversation starter. I think. What you're seeing with a lot of brands in the beverage space is, like, doing beautifully designed packaging that is, you know, spot on for their brand. But at the end of the day, if you're a new entrant to market, you don't really have a brand, right? Like, the consumer doesn't know you well. So having, you know, consistent and and muted packaging isn't going to stand out on the shelves. It isn't going to get people draw people's eyes as they're walking by. Um, so not only did we want to create something that was, you know, of course, representative of the community, the the bright joy that that typically exudes from the community, but we also wanted something that would stand out to consumers and and be a little bit different in a sea of just like great. Again, not to yuck anyone's yum, great packaging, but um, very muted in terms of typically muted in terms of color and design.
0: So we've seen this sort of awesome on-ramp of of under 18 months from ideation to on the shelves. What, what does the next, say, five years look like? What's the strategy going forward? How do you sort of continue this trend?
2: Yeah, there, there's a lot that we have ahead of us, which is super exciting. I do see a market trend towards building a beverage brand while concurrently working with a media property. So that'll be on our couple year roadmap is like concurrently building out like a media and content arm that has a nice synergy between the beverage side. I mean, you see, you know, High Noon and Barstool, that partnership really developing and building the brand for High Noon. You see Happy Dad and and. the Yankee boys and how, you know, media has played a role in building that brand. I I do feel that there's a nice synergy there. So there will be more of like a content and media arm that we build out that helps to drive some more attention to the product. Um, Also see in terms of like unlocking, you know, retailers and and distribution channel that, you know, if you can build a, a brand that has loyalists, has engaged customers. You can also drive traffic to retailers. You can also drive velocity. So I really do think, you know, following sort of the model that like the Liquid Deaths, the Voodoo Rangers have have really built out, when you can build a community that really cares and supports your product, you can naturally get the halo effect of unlocking new channels
1: on the topic of building a community, I know you personally are a big social media person. So I don't know if you wanted to mention a little bit about how you have incorporated that into your marketing strategy pre-launch and afterwards as well.
2: Yeah, I uh, I definitely think like so prior to starting the brand over COVID had kind of just developed my own personal social Platform, I definitely think in the early days of building the brand, like having a recognizable like face in the community, building out the Gay Water social handles probably helped early on just get some early adopters. But um, I do think long term. I mean, we've organically built all of our channels so to date, um, I can say we've done $0 in paid marketing. We've built a community of almost 150,000 across like social media and and email. And I do think that is less less because of like early on me being a, a part or a face of the brand and more so because of the idea that Queer products like this don't exist and the community craves more representation and and really aligns to kind of the mission that that we're putting out there. So while uh, I think it did help like early, early on to, to gain a, a little bit of an audience, um, the product has really and the brand has really spoken for itself.
0: Can I ask, what is your feeling about heterosexual people, particularly sort of, if you will, stereotypical straight bros? drinking gay water and sort of trying to participate in a sort of outside way in this community that you have created?
2: Oh, I mean, I I love it. I think the success of this brand is going to be if, if we can build a brand that is universally adored, right? Like, I think early on, we, we knew who are like core core TAM is, right? Like all the way at the middle of what your target audiences would be the queer community. But you'll start to see in 2024 that like the brand is going to expand and we're going to build out to be inclusive of, you know, not just the community, but everyone. Uh, our tagline is gaming's happy. Like we want the product to be fun, playful, and for everyone. But at the same time, you know, I think what differentiates us from some of the other brands that have launched in in the beverage space is like you know we we do gay is in the title we do have almost uh a built in target audience, so we're focused on really building that core of loyalists and then hoping from there to expand out have a have a nice hopefully like halo effect where you know folks are seeing their queer best friend their queer family member their queer co-worker consuming the product and and wanting to explore and and dabble in themselves it's not like it's not a brand built on someone's sexual preference right like it is gay means happy it is a brand meant to represent our two values which are joy and community
1: I keep coming back to this, but I love how much you focus on building a community. That's such an important part of especially organic social media, which you said you focused on a lot. Do you have any advice for brands just starting out on marketing and social media, particularly towards diverse audiences like we've
2: spoken about? Absolutely. I think that so often in the beverage space, brands are built based on product. And I, while you need to have incredible liquid, it's so important to know your brand and know who your audience is rather than put product out there, have people try the liquid and then have them become fans of the brand. I think that is important and both need to be done kind of concurrently. But at the end of the day, there's so many brands out there when you ask like, their marketing person, or honestly, even the founder, like who the brand exists for, they don't readily have an answer. And I think that is so crucial to understand is like, what problem are you solving in market from a product perspective, but also for consumers and who are those consumers? Because I think that so often brands will rebrand really quickly because they put product out there and they find different people drinking the product than they originally thought and if they really understood their product and their brand, they would have understood from the get-go to build that brand around who they know is going to be drinking it rather than who they think. There's a, there's a big, like, it's almost cognitive dissonance, this disconnect between who they think is going to want to be behind the brand and who actually is going to be behind the brand. I think if you're building a diverse brand, it becomes this question of, is your audience going to be like, are you going to create a product that is like queer owned or black owned? And that is going to be like what the product is about. I think that's kind of more of the route that we've gone, but we've also tried to balance that between it being a queer product and like a fun brand that hopefully, you know, what we were just talking about is going to be going to get to the point where it's for everyone. But we started with, We know who our audience is up front and we're going to build a brand and a product around those folks and then expand from there. And I think that's what I would suggest new brands entering the market do is like understand who your core, core, core audience is. And rather than like swapping out and, and trying to hit on so many different groups and find who your group is, really go for to who you know, your group is going to be at first and then build back into that.
1: Yeah. I love that. I think a lot of, it's common for people to skip over the step of defining who the target audience is when yeah. that should be the first thing anyone does in a marketing plan.
2: It's the most important part. A hundred percent. And I would also say my biggest, biggest advice to a founder is like check your ego at the door. Like the brand should not be reflective of you as a person. It should be reflective of your consumer. And I think so often founders want to build brands that are like, because they're putting their stamp on it, it has to be exactly who I am or exactly who I stand for, exactly what I would want to see if I was a consumer. And at the end of the day, it's like, check your ego at the door. Like you have to understand who your audience is. And that's, that might be at odds with who you are and you have to be willing to say like, okay, like this ad or this aspect of the brand isn't for me, but it is going to be for someone out there, like a big community of people out there that aren't necessarily like, you know, indicative again of like me. I think there's a lot of ego that goes into building a brand that you could avoid a lot of mistakes and a lot of money spent if you checked yourself at the door and talked to people who you want to be your consumers and integrate their ideas rather than push your own.
0: Yeah,
1: I think that's really important to do even the first thing. Just because you want to be successful even launching your product, you obviously have to do the marketing for it. For sure. Pre-launch too. And that's the, the best time, I think, to kind of figure out your target audience and make sure that everything is aligned according to your marketing plan. I know you had a very successful launch. So can you share your strategy before launching when you were going about kind of securing retailers and making your products available online?
2: Yeah. um, I would say pre-launch. I mean, we we launched on social november 2022 as like almost a proof of concept i think there's so many things that you can do but pre-launch to actually build community and build like demand for your product before you even launch there's there's a very like old school mindset of pre-social media where you would basically embargo everything about your brand until you put that like launch announcement out there or until you, you know, had like a big moment and it was super splashy and you threw a party and whatever that got covered in magazines. We are so far beyond those days where your brand, like you could, you could talk about any musician, like their tracks leak before their album comes out. Like, it happens inevitably. Your brand is going to leak inevitably. And I think if you're so precious about, you know, introducing people to what you're working on until you have, like, a launch date, you're missing out on building up the opportunity for demand. You're missing out on getting... Like, building your audience, getting feedback. Like, we, we launched November 2022 on social as a proof of concept. We blew up pretty quickly on TikTok. We then leveraged that to be, like, to to even deeper community build before we even had a product. We were asking our community, like, what flavors do you want to see? We were asking them, like, hey, we got canned prototypes. Like, one is matte and one is glossy. Like, which one do you think is better? There are so many moments before you even launch your product that you can use to community build and you can use to build demand for your product. And I think that so many brands are like, let me lock up this brand in a vault until it launches and then we can, you know, execute on our marketing plan and they're missing out on the entire like marketing, the pre-launch marketing plan that you can basically build to Build even more of excitement around your actual launch. Um, so that was kind of the the roadmap we followed. Was like it was still a proof of concept almost when when we were actually building the product behind the scenes, and we were like, why not why not show the behind the scenes process to a community and and see if there's interest in building the brand itself and and folks were interested in that. And then we materialized that into like, okay, now we're actually launching the product and we already have a hundred thousand followers. We already have like almost a, a, a mini success story to be able to tell when we launched the product, to give another angle to some of like the press that we've gotten, so that was uh, one way that we kind of like built up uh, built up a story pre pre launch. Um, we definitely had some some synergy between what was going on in the beverage space and and what we were launching. Uh, a lot of folks, you know, saw what happened with. Dylan Mulvaney and Bud Light and and thought that there was, you know, a synergistic story that they could tell about a queer product that, you know, is launching almost not necessarily on the tails of what just happened with Bud Light, because as you guys know from earlier, like this product, the conception of it was way before that was even a blip on the radar. But that definitely ended up being like a positive consequence uh, for us because we did get a ton of press likening us to what had happened with Bud Light as well
0: what's the quote uh, never let a crisis go to waste
1: <laughs> switching gears a little bit I know you're an MHW client do you want to talk about why you started working with MHW
2: yeah um honestly the team at at MHW sold me um they had a lot of passion for the product. Um, They were super excited about it in a way that some of the other distributor conversations I was having um, were not. And they've honestly been an incredible resource as someone who came into the beverage space with little to no experience. They have been so patient and so kind and so generous with their time. Like everyone from the compliance team to the accounting team to you know our business representative to the marketing team just the the passion that they brought to this product ultimately got us got us over the line and then um you know since then they've they've just been so great
1: great we're always happy to hear that
2: yeah that was my uh 30 second commercial for you guys (laughs)
0: All right, now for the question that we always like to end with. What is your favorite cocktail?
2: Anything clear. Of course, I would plug my own brand, Gay Water. But I... As I've gotten older, anything that isn't clear gives me a hangover. Um, so like vodka soda, tequila soda. Occasionally I'll do like like a Cosmo or, um, you know, something that has a, a little bit of something sugary. But uh, I try to avoid anything that is like purple colored or green colored because you know that the next morning you, you're not going to be feeling so good.
0: <laughs> now, when you are... Having a gay water yourself or when you're presenting it to someone at a a tasting or even if it's just a friend, how do you present it? Do you do cold can? Do you do it over ice? Do you garnish?
2: Yeah, it it can be consumed multiple ways. We typically will offer cans if we're at an event. If we're at a tasting, we do a pour over. Um, So it really depends. My personal opinion is it's best just served over ice. Um, It's super light drink. You definitely want it cold no one likes drinking warm liquid unless it's hot liquid so definitely would say uh as cold as you can get it because we're pretty high carbonation so the cold and the carbonation are kind of a nice uh a nice pair but yeah you can garnish up a can and make it uh, a little bit more plused up presentation wise but um a versatile drink
0: Thank you, listeners, for joining us on the MHW Mark podcast. And thanks again to Cassidy Poe and Spencer Hoddison for joining.
2: Thank you guys for having me. It's so fun. This podcast
0: is produced by me, Jimmy Morland, with booking and planning support by Cassidy Poe. It's presented by MHW. Find out more at MHWLTD.com or connect with MHW on LinkedIn. Lend us a hand by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast wherever you listen. We'll be back in your feed in two weeks. We'll see you then. Cheers.